Um, if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark 1. We're going to open up the Scriptures and read some together. And if you don't have it, you can just listen closely because a few people are going to read uh, some passages and you'll kind of hear the story and kind of get what's going on. Um, you're going to have an opportunity today to uh, respond to the message um, that uh, that God brings to us through my mouth and through His Word, uh, probably in a little bit of a different way than on a, on a normal Sunday maybe. And one of the joys of being out here is... Um, we're not distracted by some of the other things that sometimes can grab our attention uh, after church. Um, special welcome to those who drove all the way up just for our Sunday morning service. I want everyone to take a quick look at the back over here and see who's got the biggest chair in camp. Now, my, my question is this. Has John Garza ever looked smaller? I mean, if you want to... If the camera adds a few pounds to you, just take a picture in that chair. All of us, all of us will look like a little kid in that thing. That is that is good stuff. Um, uh, let me let me hear from you guys. Uh, some of you are are intimately acquainted with this because of maybe sleeping in a place unfamiliar with you, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I want you to think for a moment. What's good about being tired? What's good about being tired? You get to sleep better when you're tired. Trent, you fall asleep faster. What else? You don't get grumpy. Okay. Maybe you're grumpy when you're tired, but then afterwards. You can go to sleep. You can go to sleep. Yeah, okay. Nick. You get to act like you can stay up all night. Someone else. Patty. You can just be quiet. Okay. Some of you. Uh, yeah, Gria. Okay, yeah. Sometimes the negatives of things, right? Uh, we, we have something that we go, oh, it's kind of a bummer to feel this way. But really there are some positives to it. If we never felt tired, we wouldn't know that we need rest, that our bodies need to slow down and rest, right? This summer I was as tired as I've been uh, probably in my whole life two different times. Um, and there is, in recent memory, they're as tired as I've been. Uh, one was this. One was traveling to Ethiopia. My wife is in Ethiopia, by the way, right now. Uh, and we're super excited about that. Um, but, but traveling home from that, here's what it was. It was a 30-hour trip, okay? And what happens is this. Some of you went to Mexico this summer with us. Imagine getting into your car, okay? And you drive to Mexico. As soon as you get there, you turn around and you drive home, okay? As soon as you get home, you touch the front door, you get in the car, you drive back to Mexico. We're not done yet. Then you get back in your car and you drive three-quarters of the way home, almost all the way home again. That's what a 30-hour trip is like. Okay? And I remember I was in a middle seat flying across our nation, which is a pretty big, long flight, and it felt like a short little trip because that was the last leg. And I remember just being there, and in a moment, sitting here, when you sit in the middle uh, seat of an airplane, and it's not your wife next to you, you can't, like, you know, snuggle up over here. Well, you can, but it's awkward. And, and so I'm sitting here like this, and I remember just, and Becky said the same thing. She, she basically gave her greeting, and then you're like, hi, I'm Dave, and this is that. And then you just go like this. <laughs> and like a few seconds later you wake up and you're over Utah and you're like what happened you know and you wipe the drool off your mouth you, know? you just apologize you're like sorry you know and then you just boom, back in, right, right back to it the second time was coming home from Mexico this year our team decided this 
we were facing something called the Carmageddon. Okay, now that was designed, that was a term developed by the authorities saying what a nightmare it was going to be because 405 freeway in L.A. was going to be shut down and they anticipated cars galore through L.A. Well, guess what day we were supposed to go through L.A.? That day, okay? So our team is there. We just had a big fiesta with all the kids from the orphanage and we were sitting there and we thought, well, it's about 11 o'clock at night. We could go to sleep and wake up super early and try to get across the border and all that. Or as long as we're awake, we could just finish packing up right now, get in our cars, and just drive through the night and get home. At the time, that seemed like a good idea. So we did that, and we got across the border faster than I've ever gotten across the border. Um, my friends to my right over here have a different story. Asked um, the, the cooks about their story. But we zipped across, and we had Lucas and Wendy Ash behind us, and we just right through the border faster than I've ever been through. And we cruised through downtown L.A. with zero traffic. So all of that was fine and dandy. But what happened was this. My wife and I were trading uh, turns, driving along and, and this and that. And uh, it was my turn after we got over the grapevine. And there's a long stretch of road called Interstate 5. Okay? And it runs. It's almost like the spine of California. It goes for a long straight way. And here's how I knew I was really tired. Okay? I was driving along in our car. And I'm driving along. And I look over at my wife. And here's what my wife's doing. Remember this pose? <laughs> yeah, she was doing that again. So she's out. She's sleeping. It's totally quiet in there. And I'm driving along, and it's that hazy time when it's kind of starting to be sunrise, you know. And we've been driving for a while already. Mind you, we've already had just a great missions trip, but we're tired from that. And I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, uh, everything looks, I mean, it just it's just flat everywhere you can go. I can almost hardly barely make out the road. Um, and here's when I started knowing that I was really tired. Um, I saw a pink unicorn uh, flying around my van. Okay? And as I'm driving, I'm thinking to myself, man, we don't usually have those this time of year. So I'm driving going, I must be really tired. And the way I knew I was super tired is I began to play chess with the unicorn. And, and at that point, I knew I was really, really sleepy. So what was cool is this. We got home, and we rarely use the TV as a babysitter, but here's what we said to our kids. Mind you, our kids had slept all night. So they're like, hot dog, it's morning, let's go, it's Saturday morning, let's do something. And the parents said this, we, we said to the kids, you can watch as much TV as you want, you cannot leave the house, you can eat whatever you want. The parents are going to our bedroom, you are not to come in unless the house is on fire. We walked into our bedroom, we shut all the lights off, and whoever said you can sleep quicker, and we fell asleep as fast as we've ever fallen asleep and woke up about six hours later refreshed. Here's why, here's why I'm bringing up stories of sleep. Here's, what I, here's what's probably going to happen. Some of you can tell your super tired stories later on, but here's where I'm going with this. We live in a culture, and we're doing something right now that kind of, that kind of combats this, but we live in a culture that doesn't rest super well. We live in a really, really busy culture. and In fact, even in the church, there's a certain message that goes out like this. It says this, busyness is next to godliness. And I'm here to tell you that is, a, that is not a biblical message being sent out. That's an American message being sent out. Or maybe a developed world message being sent out. It's true sometimes that I have to repent to God and to my family. Recently, one of my kids came and they said this, they said, Dad, how come you're always working on Saturday? And I said to him, I said, you know what? It's not that I always work on Saturday. In fact, I actually really try to leave that day open. But I've had to repent. The last few weeks, you've seen Dad unavailable and working on Saturday. You know why, son? He goes, why? I said, because I have sinned by mismanaging my time during the week. And I haven't left 
kind of my day of Sabbath, my day of rest, to, 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 to do what I should be doing, which is resting. Instead, I'm getting the work done that I didn't do during the week. So that means either I mismanaged my time, or I was lazy, or most likely, here's what it probably was, I was taking on things that I shouldn't have been taking on. And I was trying to grab and do too much. And what that is, is that sin. Sometimes people like to be asked, you know, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? And don't we say this sometimes? Oh, I'm so busy. Now, I don't know that we think this consciously, but sometimes here's what we're thinking, or here's what we're saying in a way. I'm so important that I have a lot of things to get done. There's a cultural answer to this, and it's sleeping pills, herbal pillows, remedies, sleep number on your mattress. I mean, all kinds of stuff that says, we're going to get you to sleep. But here's the thing. Someone said it this way, that warp speed, living life at warp speed can warp the soul. It can kind of twist and mend it in a way that you can't even rest. You can't even shut your brain off when you do get an opportunity to stop and sleep and rest. You know what God gave? God gave a totally different remedy. And it's ancient. And anyone can have it, and you don't need money to get it. Here it is. Ready? It's the word Sabbath. Now, who knows what the word Sabbath means? Anyone know what the word Sabbath means? Just simply current. Rest. Very good. <laughs> Sabbath means rest. God gave this God gave this gift to his people called Sabbath. And here's what people do with a gift sometimes. It's really, really strange. Okay? What if when you came up here camping... Would you guys agree that Memorial Park and this beautiful place we're at is a, is a gift in some way, shape, and form? Right? It's a gift to be able to come and enjoy this. You know what else is a gift? It's a gift that everyone here was able to take a break from their job, a break from their day, whatever, and come and just hang out and be here. There are certain civilizations that they just work all the time, and they don't really ever get a chance to come and do what we're doing. Here's what the Israelites did when the gift of Sabbath was given. Here's what they did. They started to do this. They started to say... Well, what can't we do with our gift? Imagine getting a present, or imagine arriving here, kids, okay, and saying, okay, uh, before you get out of the car, kids, we have some things that you can't do. Now, what if the whole weekend went by and they were still talking? Because they had made up 600 rules of all the things you can't do. And the kids, meanwhile, are going, please just let us out. We just need to taste dirt again. We have It's been too long. And the whole time, your parents are just telling you all the things that you can't do. Would that be kind of a bummer? Yeah. 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 That would be a huge bummer, huh? Because you didn't get to do anything but sit in the car. And all you did was hear what you can't do. Now, Sabbath. Ready? Does this sound familiar from the Bible? Here are all the things you cannot do on Sabbath. You cannot do this. You cannot do this. You're restricted from doing that. You're restricted from doing this. And instead of just receiving the gift, and instead of just being thankful for it and enjoying it, there was, a, there was an accompanying worry that kind of came with it. God still offers us Sabbath and wants us to, to, to do that. Uh, Mark chapter 1, who's there? Let me just raise your hand if you have a Bible, because I'm going to be having some people read. Okay. Um, in uh, um, Phil, do me a favor. Read Matthew 11. I'm, I'm going to have you turn to Matthew 11:28 28 uh, through 30. I want you to listen to this in just a second. At the heart of what I want to say this morning is this. I want to invite us, and this is a great place to, to be talking about this subject and thinking on this subject, but I want to just invite us to rest much in God this morning. Some of you are already rested. You come here. Um, everyone look right now at Mr. Henderson's hair, okay? <laughs> now, here's what's, here's what's really cool. No, 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 don't fix it. Don't fix it. Here's what's beautiful. You know what? 
Um, I love to see Rich Henderson's hair that way. And part of why it's good to be out here is you guys just get to see us with our hair, like all hat head and matted and stuff. I look at that and I'm like, man, that's a well-rested soul right there. That's a really, really good thing. Now, some like Josh over here, they've got their hair covered up. They're like, I'm just going to cover it up with a big furry hat and then you won't be able to see my, my, my messy hair. Um, but some of you are already enjoying this and you're already, you already feel like this. Wait, listen, really, really quietly. You're already feeling this. Like just, ah, uh, you're just sighing. Like you're just kind of relaxed. Some of you started school already, and it feels good already to take a quick break. Okay. What I want you to do this morning, I want you to want you to walk away from this morning, going, man, I just need to rest much in God. Not just on a once a year camping trip. Not just when I get a vacation every few years. But every single week when we come together for church, there ought to be a sense of a collective sigh of relief, and in a way. Like Mr. Henderson's hair, and I can point to myself. I know my hair is looking sweet today too. Oh, yeah. That are that that in a way we can just come and just and just relax and just let a big exhale out. Listen to Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is Jesus talking. Phil's going to read it real loud. Go ahead, Phil. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Thanks, Phil. At the heart of the message is this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, the rest talked about in this passage, there's kind of a then and a now part of it, okay? Here's the, here's the then part. The then part of that rest is this. The Bible talks about today being day, and there's coming a time when we're going to rest. Do you know what that's talking about? That's talking about heaven. Right, for those who are God's children, that's that's the eternal rest. That's salvation. Psalm 62 says salvation comes from no other one than my God. And that's the ultimate rest that's coming one day. But there's also a now kind of a rest. And it's the rest that says we need rest right now. Emotionally, physically, in all those different ways. And certainly spiritually. Um, um, Mark chapter 1. If you're not in Mark chapter 1, turn to Mark chapter 1. And I want to read for you an account of Jesus. Um, in, 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 in the Bible we see this. God created, and then what did He do? He rested, right? God created because He's a creative God. And then He rested. Guess who He created? Part of what He created, the pinnacle of His creation actually, is us. The people you look at every day. As you appreciate another person. As you, as you accept them, you're accepting part of God's creation. And we're to be through periods of creativity and then to stop and to rest. So we mimic God. The Father rested. Catch this. The Father rested. So should you. He also created creation to rest in a sense. And so should you. And what I want to show you is that Jesus, the Son, rested. And so should you. In a way, I should close my Bible, walk away, and just say, what more motivation do you need? What more teaching do you need than to mimic the Son? If He rested, and so should you, end of story, right? But I've got a few more things to share. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Um, who has it? Do you have your Bible open? Read uh, 35 to 39. Listen carefully if you don't have your Bible um, so you can, so you can uh, hear what's going on. Okay, here's the setting of that story, okay? This is a picture of Jesus going out early in the morning and, and resting, seeking, seeking time with the Father. Here's the setting for that. We know this because we read 
the first part of Mark, and we're reading the Bible in context, which is really, really important. If you start in verse 1 of chapter of, of chapter 1 of Mark and go through verse 1 up to this point and just circle the word immediately, you'll see a lot of immediately's. There was a lot going on. There was a busyness to his schedule. But he was doing what the Father gave him to do. Also, it was a late night of ministry. Sundown is starting to go there, and they're bringing to them all that are sick, all that are demon-possessed. And so it's... He went late night into the ministry working and serving and teaching and doing things for people. Okay, So he's probably physically tired. And then it's also hectic. When the disciples came and looked for him, what do they say? It says that everyone is looking for you. The whole city, some other translations say, is looking for you. Here's the setting with which Jesus found time to kind of pull away from it all, right? And just go and have time with his Father. And that's what he's going to do. What I want to do this morning is this. I just want to give you three pictures of what you could do, not just on Sundays as your day of worship. I hope you are taking families, individuals, as a day of worship. How do I use my Sabbath well, Lord? How do I take my Sunday and use it really, really well? Can it? Isn't it easy to, to allow it to be church as a kind of fit-in wedge to the leftover errands that you have from the weekend? from the things that you should have done maybe earlier, but you've got to hurry up and busy do it before Monday morning hits. All of a sudden, this day of rest, this gift that's been given to sons and daughters of God, not slaves. Slaves don't get a rest given to them like that, but sons and daughters do. All of a sudden, we're taking it and filling it up with things. So let me just give you three ideas that I think are from Scripture, and, and you can look at it and tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong on it. Um, but these are some things that are, that are taught from the Scriptures that we're going to have a unique opportunity before Monday midday hits to put into practice right here, even while we're camping. Okay? Here's the first one is solitude. What's the word solitude mean? If you don't have a driver's license, tell me what that means. I want to hear someone tell me what that means. Solitude. Being by yourself. Okay? Solitude. Peace and quiet. Um, solitude is not a word I don't think we hear a ton about. We live in a busy city, right? San Jose, a lot of people. And solitude is something you have to work at doing. Isn't that true? You have to kind of work at getting away from people. Even when you come out here in the woods, guess what? There's people around. <laughs> you have to actually kind of work at going and getting off by yourself in a way, right? And yet, Jesus practiced solitude. Um, someone else have a Bible? Raise your hand that hasn't read something yet. Uh, Wendy, look up Mat- uh, Matthew 14:23. Jesus sets for us an example of getting away by himself. What did the disciples do? They had to go find Jesus. You know why? He was by himself. In a way, he kind of hid himself away like an Easter egg. He went off and he he spent time away from people. He sought it out. I want you to hear this passage from Matthew as another example. Go ahead. Matthew 14, 23. Last word she said, alone. Jesus went off to be alone. He left that as an example. So a good question for us is this. What place does solitude have in a 21st century person, modern day person, right? I'll tell you one of the biggest things. Um, everyone pull out your smartphone or your iPhone or whatever like that. Pull it out if you have it right now, okay? I want to see it. Put it up in the air. Put it up in, in the air so we can see it, okay? Count them. Someone count them. Carl, count them for me out loud how many you see. Listen. Out loud, let's hear how many we've got. And behind you. Okay, put them down. 
Here's the point. Why don't the rest of you have your phone with you right now? There's no reception. Okay? I literally, I would be checking for my wife's email all the time. How's she doing? What's going on? Some of you. Now, this is not this is not a slam because I love these people. But some of you, while we were around the campfire, I heard the crackle of the campfire, little sounds in nature, and then I heard this. And a fly ball to center field on the radio. Okay, there was there was some technology kind of kind of sneaking in, contraband technology, because the Giants game was on. Right? Some of you right now would feel tempted if there was a signal to be checking the score or looking at other things or playing Angry Birds. I know you people. Now listen, I like Angry Birds too. Listen, listen to this. On a regular Sunday, okay? On a regular Sunday. What's the percentage due to how many of us pull out technology gadgets that leave us not alone? It skyrockets, right? It goes way up. It's actually really, really good for us to unplug and just say, man, we're gonna we're gonna leave that, we're gonna leave that off. What if when we had a perfect signal, what if when we had a Wi-Fi signal, a speedy signal, we intentionally did the same thing? We hit both buttons on the iPhone and powered down for a second and set it aside and said, Nothing is more important right now than my time to be alone. So being alone doesn't have to be, I need to get to the most remote woods possible so I can be alone. You can actually choose to be alone, set aside time to be alone, right in your 21st century life by choosing to go and do this. Okay? Easy, right? Easy but hard. Uh, Jesus left an example for us. If Jesus did it, uh, is our need any less? He prescribes this for his disciples. Uh, Mark 6.30, we're already in Mark 1. Someone turn to Mark 6.30. Raise your hand so I know who it has been. Mark 6, 30 to 31, I want you to listen to this, and I want you to listen to how different this sounds than rushing through fast food and getting on to the next thing, okay? You're going to hear something from Jesus, and uh, tell me how this sounds a little different. Read it when you got it, Ben. Great season of ministry. They're working it. They came back to Jesus, and and he and, and he tells them what? Go away to a desolate place. He knew the value. He knew the importance of resting. We have some people sitting around this circle, and it's just so powerful to think of the stories of sacrifice, dedication to our local body that goes on for the sake of our neighborhood that, that goes on. And what's so cool is that many who are here on this camping trip I would look at you and say, you're not needing like a kick in the rear to say, man, get on it. Get doing some more stuff. Start learning what it looks like to sacrifice for others. Maybe the message stronger should be this. Man, you've been in a great season of ministry. You've been really busting it. You need to just take a breather. I said that to someone this summer. They were heading off to vacation. And I said, man, I hope you just thoroughly enjoy. I hope you're really, my prayer for you, I'm going to be praying for you. My prayer for you is this, that it won't take you half a vacation to unplug and unwind and, and, and pull yourself away from things at home. I pray that you'll just really enjoy the moment, enjoy the surroundings that you're going to be, and be able to really just be present with that and receive the gift. And here's what this person told to me. They said, wow, that's really powerful coming from you because I, I hear a lot of the other thing coming from the pulpit a lot. Meaning like firing us up and like, let's get on it, let's do this, let's be really urgent, let's do this, that, and the other thing. And I said, well, then, well, then, then shame on me. It, it, it ought to be a bit of an, of an equal message, right? That we should be challenging to say, now's the time. There's a sense of urgency to our mission, people, right? But also to be able to having this, this counter message that says, now also stop 
and just be before God. Don't do for God anything. Just be before Him. So solitude is one way of doing it. Listen to this quote by Andrew Bonner. It says this, In order to grow in grace, we must be much alone. Test yourself and see if you would qualify as being much alone. It is not in society that the soul grows most vigorously. In one single quiet hour of prayer, it will often make more progress than in days of company with others. It is in the desert place that the dew falls freshest and the air is purest. Part of my invitation to you is this. Maybe you would take an hour of prayer out between now and tomorrow, middle day, and just go off by yourself and say, I'm going to go be alone, even in the midst of a group of people here and pray and seek out God. Here's another one, is waiting in silence. We're not going to read these passages, but in Habakkuk and in Zephaniah, there's two different occasions in the Old Testament where, as a part of worship, the people were silent. Now, we're going to be absolutely silent for about 15 seconds. I want you to feel how different this feels than the normal part of your day, okay? Total silence, no one moving around, no one fidgeting, no one saying a a, a word. Just be totally silent. Go. There's a sense. There's a sense as the people of God come together on a Sunday morning that I think the church and church leaders, one of whom I am, we have in a way programmed out of modern day services some of that kind of breathing room that's needed for the spirit and the soul to grow in. Here's what I know as a public speaker. If I were to get up, I've done this before just because I like to try new things. If I were to get up in front of a group of people, especially a group of people who don't know me, and be totally silent for 15 seconds, here's what would happen. A giant uneasiness would go through the crowd. No matter how big or small the crowd is, there would be an uneasiness. They would start to fidget. They would feel nervous for me. They would go, oh my goodness, this guy's forgotten what he was going to say. He's locked up. He's panicked. Something's wrong. You know what the indication is? Something's wrong because it's quiet. Isn't that weird? It shouldn't be that way, but it is. If there's any dead space at all, something must be wrong. Someone's forgotten their line. Someone's not jumped in. One of our challenges as a worship community, as we come and gather and do services, is we do this. Um, Rob and myself and others, we put worship services together. And we pray through the week. We say, Spirit, what do you want to do this weekend? We've got a plan, and we're going to put a plan. But at the bottom of every single set list that we have on a Sunday morning, we have this. Uh, what does it say again, Rob? Yes. Yeah, so, so in other words, like this is the plan... Um, but but there's a second part of it that says, but basically as the Spirit leads. So so if if God wants to cut out a whole song, um, he, he'll he'll do that sometimes. If God wants to have someone faint in the back from a heating spell, he'll do that. If God wants things to change up, we'll be sensitive to that. There are times when we're going through and we sense something's happening in the room that we didn't account for, we didn't plan for, and and that's great. And so we want to we want to adjust for that and give room for the soul to kind of 
breathe and, and soak in. Uh, I was sharing with a friend this. Uh, you ever pray and not know the words to say when you're praying? Put your hand up if you have been praying and you go, Lord, I don't even know what to say anymore. I was talking with a friend and he was saying this. He was saying, no, man, I just don't know how to pray. And I, I, I love this. I love when I'm reading through the scriptures or I get to share with someone where God has already made provision for that. He's already provided for that experience. And you didn't even know it. I directed this person to Romans 8. This person's read Romans 8 before and probably even seen this passage. But in Romans 8, it says that the Spirit Himself, God the Holy Spirit Himself, intercedes, prays for us with groanings too deep for words when we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. Isn't that powerful? There's a parable in the New Testament. And Jesus is teaching His disciples how to pray. And here's how the story goes, okay? There's a woman, and she uh, she doesn't have enough of some supplies, and so she does this to her neighbor. She goes over like this. Hey, hey, open up. I need some supplies. You know what the neighbor says? Yeah, it's, it's past the quiet hour. Get to sleep. I'll talk to you in the morning. This person keeps knocking. Hey, what did I say? Go away. You know, shoo. Finally, the person opens the door. It says, okay. I'll give you what you want. Now, here's what Jesus was teaching. Jesus was teaching that this is how our prayer ought to be to God. Isn't that an interesting lesson? I would have turned it around. I would have thought, that's really, really rude. Go away and take it up in the morning. That's not being a good neighbor. But no, no, no. Jesus says that's how our prayers ought to be. So there's a, set, there's a part of Scripture that teaches us, be persistent. Keep asking God. As young as I can remember, you know what I prayed for? I prayed for my mom to be saved. I prayed for my mom to to receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And you know how many times I did that? As often as I thought about it. And I just kept knocking. God, you have to change her. God, you have to save her. As I got older and older, I said, God, I don't care if you have to give her cancer in this life. Save her for the next one. God, save her. God, save her. Every time I thought about it, I prayed. I was the persistent widow. I was knocking on the door. Guess what God did? He saved her? He did. God saved my mom. That's a huge thing to rejoice about. I thought, wow, what an amazing thing. I just took God at His word and I knocked and I knocked and I knocked and I knocked. But sometimes, I'm a talker in case you can't tell. Sometimes, I'm praying and you know what I feel like? I feel like my prayers are just babbles. I'm just talking. Talk, 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 talk. And there's sometimes when I realize that my talking and my babbling is actually getting in the way of my prayers. There have been friends who've come to me and they've just been with me in a season of sadness and sorrow and they've not said anything. They're just there with me and them being there is a huge comfort. There are times when my kids get injured and they come and they're just and they're just with me being held. They're not asking me for anything. They don't need anything. They just want to be there. There was a story of a dad who was working. Some of you guys work at home. And sometimes it's a challenge, right? You're working at home and it's hard to know is dad available, not, whatever. There's a dad who's working at home. And he's there kind of late at night. Kids are already down in bed and he's working. He's typing away. And he just kind of can sense at the doorway that there's that there's a kid there. Tegan, knock it off. Thank you. And he's sitting there typing away. And here's what he senses. He senses there's a kid there. And he turns over and he sees his little daughter there. She's already been tucked in. 
And dad's in work mode. And dad turns to the daughter. He says, um, sweetie, what is it? What do, you, what, what do you want? And her answer is really revealing. Here's what she says. She says, daddy, I don't want anything. I just want to be with you. And it melted the dad's heart to a point where he said, wow, here I'm in work mode. I'm in produce mode. If someone's in my presence, they must need something. Let's get it dealt with so I can go back to producing and working. The dad wisely stopped what he was doing and just held his daughter. Isn't that a cool picture of prayer? That's the other side of prayer. Is that we can go and be much alone with God and be out, be out silent, unplugged from other things and be with God and just be with Him. Not asking Him for a band-aid, not asking Him for, for a snack, not needing a drink of water, none of that, but just being with God and being present with Him. That's part of the idea of, of waiting and silence. So solitude is one way that we can be celebrating Sabbath. Waiting in silence is another one. I hope that this weekend you've, you've had time to enjoy and savor the relationship with your Creator. Psalm 37.7 says this, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. I was over here having a great cup of coffee and lost track of time. I had one appointment this whole weekend and I was late to it. One time where I really had to know what, what, what time it was. Um, but I tell you what, I was over here chatting with Dave and, and Dave brought up this verse right here. Psalm 46 says, uh, Cease striving and know that I am God. Be still another passage says, and know that I am God. This shouldn't be a once a year camping trip thing, shouldn't it? This can be a weekly thing where we come, we're sitting in service, and we can just take a sign, just be still, and know that He's God. Alright. Here's, here's, here's a third way. Waiting in silence, solitude, being alone, and here's a third one is Listening. Part of Sabbath is just to hear the voice of God. There's a four-year-old girl who was once overheard whispering into her newborn baby brother's ear. She says this. Listen real close. She says this. Baby, tell me what God sounds like. I'm starting to forget. Isn't that cute? Here's this, here's this, here's this, little, here's this little older sister. And she makes this little whisper. And I thought to myself, wow. Um, I wonder if we know what it is to hear from God. I wonder if we've lost somewhat in our own production, in our own grabbing ourselves up and moving our own spiritual life forward, that we don't know what it is to really just listen to God. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you don't recognize the voice of God. There's a lot of voices telling you a lot of different things. Jesus said it pretty simply. He said, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep, they know my voice. How do you know the voice of the shepherd? You spend a lot of time with the shepherd. Such that when the shepherd gives a tiny little weird click that only that shepherd makes, man, you just hop to it and you follow. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe you don't recognize the voice of God. Maybe you're frustrated that God rarely shouts. Isn't it true that God rarely just shouts at you or writes something? Don't you read sometimes in the scriptures about some giant sign telling them which way to go? And you, God, why don't you do that for me? Why don't you just text me something and I'll just I'll follow it if I could just see it that clearly. Maybe we're just not listening. Sometimes listening is just to regain perspective. Weekly Sabbath and spontaneous times of rest provide the pilgrim's toll, uh, soul time and space to just kind of catch up. And that's part of what rest can provide. Proverbs 8.33 says this, Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Catch the first word there? Listen. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you struggle with listening? 
some of you see someone just raised their hand and they weren't listening. So that's I mean, it's just I, honestly now don't feel bad. That would have been me. I would have shot my hand up. It's like, oh, that's kind of a, that's, that's showing the point that I didn't listen well. Listen to my instruction and be wise. You know what listening takes? Here's what it takes. Here's my kids. Sometimes they are they are doing something. We have some fidgeters in our in our household, and so they're holding something. And if they're doing this, they're doing this kind of thing. They're they're holding it. They're like, what else can a capo be used for? And they're doing it. And then I come and I'm giving them instruction, and they're doing this with it. Now I know that part of them. I'm looking right at Luke. I could be having a conversation. And I know that there's a part of them there with me, but sometimes I say this, shh, 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 hey, give me that. Put it in my neck. Just stop. Okay. Now, I'll start talking then. Now, is it over? Is, is the, no, the problem's over. You know why? Here's what happens. If, if Lindsay, if I was talking to you, and I was the kid, and you were telling me something, I would have put this down by now. I said, okay, just quiet. Okay, okay now, you're still talking to me. So, I have, to, I have to take it a step further. Here's the step further, okay? We've done this. We've put it down. Okay, we've quieted our outward body. Is our inward mind and soul? No, we're still not here. We're looking everywhere. So, what do I say? I say, hey, 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 right here, eyes. I need your eyes, okay? Sometimes I ask my kids for their lips. I don't want them to rip their lips off and give them me. I want them to come give me a kiss. But, if I ask for their eyes, don't want them to rip their eyes out. I want their eyes to come quiet. I want them to look right here, okay? I'm not the only parent who does this. I know this is true in your household too, okay? Here's what I'm doing. I am trying to train my children that what I'm about to say to them is really, really important and it deserves their full attention. Let me ask you guys this thing. What is it right now? What is it right now that if you could kind of, if you could kind of put God in the father position and you in the child position... What is it maybe that you're fiddling with and you're asking God, you're praying, but you're totally distracted with something totally different? Or if you don't have anything in your hand, you're not doing something, there's an inner quietness that he doesn't have your full attention. Your eyes aren't on him. What has you distracted? Is it a bird in a tree? Is it an itch on your arm? Is it, where, where are you? And so, and, and what is it God saying, hey, 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 shh, listen, right here, eyes. You know what God doesn't do? He's never done this with me. He doesn't strong arm us into forcing into the eyes. He lets me wander off and not keep not listening. And oftentimes we get into a real pickle and we're just way out in the woods doing something that we shouldn't be doing. And then we're reminded, man, I've not been listening to my father. I've been a little bit like Martha. Remember Mary and Martha, the two sisters? I've been so distracted by so many different other things. And meanwhile, while I'm doing dishes, while I'm doing this other stuff, I'm going, God, where are you? How come you're not providing this, that, and the other thing? And in the midst of all of that, week after week after week, we come to church and we celebrate Sabbath. We celebrate rest on the outside, but we're not really, we're not really rested. And we're not really listening and paying attention. Alright, um, here's what I want to do. I want to just I want to just point out one last thing. Um, I really believe this to be true. If you are resting much in God, you will risk much for God. 
If you are resting much in God, you will risk much for God. Okay? Here, here's why I think that to be true. Um, we have a couple of old cots that we didn't bring with us on this camping trip. Okay? But um, actually, this hammock's an even better uh, example. I saw two Hendersons putting up a hammock in the woods. This sounds like a riddle. Um, and uh, and I, saw them, I saw them there, and I hadn't seen anyone sit in the hammock yet. And they both saw me come walking up, and they said, Hey, Dave, try out the hammock. <laughs> and I know the Hendersons, so I know this could have been a setup. Um, but I thought, okay, I'll bite. So I decided to try it out. And I realized the hammock was only a couple feet off the ground, so if it did fall, it wouldn't have hurt that much. But but when I got in the hammock, here's what I didn't do. I didn't go like this, start way back, and go, woohoo, and come and just jump into the hammock and, and swing into it. I wanted to, but I didn't trust the hammock yet. Here's what I did. Here's how I got into it. I went in. There's an art to getting into a hammock, and I sat in, and then I, 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 I got in there. But I was watching the knot here and the, the knot behind me, and then I heard one of the voices say, I'm not very good at knots. Okay? Now, this causes the blood pressure to go up a little bit, right? Uh, but then I'm good. I kind of feel it. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm resting in it. Now, I'm resting in a, on some level. I've got all my weight on it. It looks like I'm totally rested in God, but there's a new level of rest, okay? Here it is. Um, along comes my buddy Sadie, okay? Sadie comes up to me, and um, was it Sadie? No, it was someone else. Maybe it was you, Olivia. Someone started to rock me. Abby, it was you! Abby comes over, and she goes like this. She starts to give me a little swing. I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. And then Abby's pretty strong. She swung me some more. Now, here's what here's what I'm doing, okay? What's rolling through my head? I'm not very good at knots. I'm not very good at knots. I'm not very good at knots. He's not very good at knots! And I'm swinging. Now, I'm getting higher and higher at the edges, right? No longer is it the cost of a one-foot drop. It could be about a three-foot drop over here. I've got one tailbone. I'm thinking this could not be good. I'm really watching that knot. I'm thinking with each swing, we could be you know, loosening the person who's not very good at knots in the first place. And so at some point, my, my trust in that hammock, it fell apart. It really did, because I asked Abby. I said, okay, Abby, I'm done swinging. <laughs> and, and she stopped me, and we were all good right at that point. Some people, some people rest in God, and someone comes along and says, you should be resting in God. You should be having faith in God. You should be trusting in God. And here's what they say, I already am. I totally am. As long as the hammock's still. As long as nothing's going on in my life, I'm totally fine. As long as I know I'm only dropping one foot, I'm totally fine. But then someone says, yeah, but... Yeah, but you're not, you're not resting in God all the way. And you know how you know that is when it starts to swing. When things start to get out of your control, when you start to factor in what could happen, you're not trusting it. You're not leaning far enough into God. My challenge is this. I think some of us, I think many of us, could lean further into God, resting in Him, trusting in Him so unequivocally. We know you could do a 360 on me. I wouldn't care. I know that thing's going to hold. I absolutely know it's going to hold. That's deep, deep trust in God. When you trust that deeply, here's what happens. You risk much for God. You risk much for God when you're totally confident of who has you. You can stop there. Resting much in God allows you to risk much for God. Here's kind of your homework for the weekend. Okay, Here it is. You get homework. You get homework on a non-school weekend. Here it is. I like homework. 
One is this. In, in a sense, in a sense, this weekend is kind of like, kind of like a, a, a little mini sabbatical. It's a little time of rest, pulling away, right? Right now, we're doing what we do on a most normal weekend, which is come, gather for worship, and just be before God. We're not trying to produce a bunch of stuff. We just rest in, in who we are. But how about this? How about you try to schedule in, even between now and the time that we leave, a little mini sabbatical. A little mini time. If you're here with your spouse, you say, you're on for the duties that need to get done. There's chores in life that need to get done. You're on for them. I'm going to go take... I'm going to go take a half hour. I'm going to go take an hour, and I'm going to go practice what was just preached. I'm going to go try to try, try to seek this out. Now I'm here without my spouse, so I'm going to leave my five kids with someone. I will take signups. Okay. How about this? Let me ask you this question: What what risky venture have you been avoiding lately? Is there something that God has been nudging you towards? beckoning you towards, like calling you out to the deep water, like calling you to get on a boat even when you think it might become stormy and you've been kind of putting it out of your mind. You're like, I, I want to I, I, I lean into you, God. I want to trust in you, but, but I, I don't want to think about that. So many times when God has called me places, it started long earlier and what I was doing was I was going, no, 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 no. Like, I don't want to hear that because I've got things under control right here. I can factor in for here, but I can't, that scares me. It sometimes forms its way into our minds this way. God, you've got the wrong person. That must be someone else. God, I'll do anything, but don't call me to do this. What risky venture is it that God is is nudging you towards, is beckoning you towards, is whispering towards you that, that you've been putting off or trying to avoid? Maybe you've been resting in God and you say, I am resting in God, but you're not risking much for God. Here's my challenge to you. Maybe there's more work to be done on resting in God. Maybe there's a a new level of rest, a deeper level of trust and faith that He wants to pull you out into. Jesus was constantly taking His disciples out into the deep waters. Not where they could stand and tickle, like, you know, the waters just up to their ankles. But out into the deep. Schedule a sabbatical this weekend. How about this? Take a noise fast. Take a 24-hour family noise fast. One of the things we do when we camp every year is we turn off electronics. And we just say, just for a week, we're going we're gonna to fast from the noise of other stuff, other inputs in our life. And it's really, really healthy. You can do this, like we said, right at home, where you just say, I'm going to intentionally take today and have a noise fast. I'm going to fast from music in my car. That's a tough one for me. I love music in my car. I'm going to fast from these different things. Take it a step further. Here's the advanced version, okay? It's not just a noise fast. It's a silence fast. Periodically, I've taken weekend retreats by myself, and I've not said a word for a weekend, for 48 hours. I've not, I've not received inputs. It's, it's, a really weird, it's a really strange, odd thing to do. But you know what? Here's what I realized. I use my mouth a lot of times to do things that that are just unnecessary and to not talk to choose not to talk as an act of worship in the full presence of God that's a really powerful thing to do so a noise fast or a speaking fast finally this in the next year plan um, try doing this try planning a weekend retreat a time away where you're just utterly alone for the purpose of worship and some of you go oh that just sounds silly I could never do that Maybe you think too much of yourself. Honestly. 
there's going to come a day I could keel over tomorrow. This church would do fantastic without me. What happens is we get in our head, we go, well, my household could never survive without me. Really? I mean, we'd miss you. Honestly, we would. But sometimes we get thinking so much of ourselves, we're trying to run around and be God to all the worlds that we kind of control. And there's something really powerful, guys, to just step back and say, you guys are on your own. You all take. You know what happens when that ha- people step up, right, in roles that they don't normally do, and it all goes along just fine without you. And you get to refresh and say, wow, God, you love me. You, you are crazy about me. You supply my every need. Not, not because I'm paying you back with my service. It's not a paycheck that I'm getting from you. It's just It's been a free gift all along. That's a really powerful message to receive. And guess what? I can't give that to you. It has to be uh, you, you receiving it directly from the Father. Here's how we're going to proceed with the rest of the morning. Um, we are going to do something this morning. I got in a little bit of trouble with uh, the finance thinkers at our church last year. Um, and they said this. They said, Dave... You can go and have church off in the woods once in a while, but take up an offering. We're not going to take a week break from an offering because that hurts our church. And I said, you know what? Offering is a regular part of worship. We do that most every Sunday. To take a week that we just kind of forget or skip or whatever, we're not going to do that. So some of you have come prepared um, to, to, to celebrate in offering. Some of you haven't. I'm going to allow you. We're going to do it a totally different way than we ever do at our church but it's popular in some traditions, and that is this. Um, anyone know what this is? Uh, box. It's an ammo box. Now, here's one of the cool things we do. Most years, before we go camping, we hit up the surplus store, because that's just a really cool thing to do. And you go find army surplus stuff, and you buy things that, that work really well camping. Um, I, ta- I tried to talk my wife into, for years, letting this be our silverware box. So I thought, man, food ammo. Like, how cool would it be to just reach in and, you know, grab my fork out of an ammo box? But it smells like grease. So it's, she never felt comfortable with that. So we used Tupperware, which is far less manly, and I don't like it as much. But I love my wife, so I did it. Um, but here's what I thought. What we're going to do with this ammo box is this. Usually we, we, we pass around kind of a dainty bag, and it's got, like, velvet on the outside, and it protects the money and all of that. And I thought, man... What we're going to do is this year is we're going to do this. We're going to take our, our money. You know what our money represents? Our money represents this. God, it's all a gift from you anyways. It's all yours anyways. I'm going to take this money. I'm going to put it in the ammo box. You know why? The money that we receive as a church is ammunition to launch the kingdom forward. That's what we're doing. And so the money that you put is like ammo in our ammo box. Isn't it dumb to just keep all your ammo locked up in the ammo box? Hey, we're on the front lines. We need more bullets. We need more supplies. We need ammo. You can't touch it. It's locked up. We want to hoard all this. We want to get more and more and more ammo. That's stupid. We don't do that. You know what we do? We say, let's check it out. Oh, cool. We got some ammo here. What happens if the ammo box is totally empty? We've got people on the front lines. We've got people out trying to advance the mission, and there's no ammo, right? That's a problem as well. So, I'm going to take the ammo box, and we're going to do this. This is the ammo box holder. Okay? Phil's going to guard it right here. He's going to sit and watch the ammo box. But, um, is that going to stay? That's not going to stay. Phil, you're going to, you're going to get on that button. Here. Um, that's going to be somewhere here, and here's how we're going to do this. Listen, some of you might need, uh, 
might need to go to your car, to your tent, whatever. Maybe you go, Dave, I didn't bring money for, for worship. That's fine. Bring it next week, okay? Uh, but, 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 but this week, here's how we're going to do this. Listen. As we worship, we're going, to have, we're going to have three more songs of worship. Here's what this is not about. Hear me. This is really important. Part of why we've never taken offering up this way is I think that this swung in a weird direction somewhere. But many cultures do this as a part of worship, as a communal part of worship. They come up and they, and they put money into the, the money basket, and it's visible. We actually see this from a story in the scriptures, too. Americans have tended to do this. We've tended to shy away from that because so many non-Christians are like, church is about the pastor's ego and the money and the offering. And we thought, man, we want to remove that hurdle as much as possible, but we don't want to diminish offering and the joy of giving sacrificially to the Lord's work. So once in a great while, especially on a trip like this where we all kind of know each other, we know this church isn't all about the money, but we're going to come up and we're going to put it here. You know what Phil's not doing? Phil's not got his iPad out checking who gave, and he's going to give me a report later. Okay? That's a huge problem. The other thing we're not going to do is I'm not going to say, hey, band, keep that song going. We're doing one more round. We didn't get enough money. Okay? That's not what this is about. Okay? Um, I was prepared for this, and I knew this. And my kids, out of out of their own uh, their own earnings, are going to be participating in this. This is a great time. Maybe you need to raid your shower and sacrificially uh, give one shower up, uh, so that your kids can participate. But what we're going to do is this: there's a physical component to coming today and bringing your tithes and offerings to the Lord. And we're putting it into the storehouse. We're going to lock it up. We're going to go bring it back to church. And it's totally different than how we normally do it. Okay. It'll feel a little bit awkward to you. It'll feel awkward to me. That's not how we normally do our offering. Okay? But there's something about physically doing it rather than clicking an online payment or just kind of slipping it in as the bag goes by. Okay? We fair on that? Uh, here's the other response. That's one kind of really cool response thing that's different and memorable for us. The other response is this. By the way, if you need to get up and go get your offering, whatever... Uh, as we start the music, that's the time. Over the next three songs, we're doing three songs, that'll be your time to just come when you're ready and, and do that. The second way to respond is this. Um, camping is about, I love it, because Patty has a watch, but not many of us have watches right now. You eat when you're hungry. No one's starving on this trip. I've seen that. Um, and you kind of sleep when you're tired, and you wake up when you're ready, and all that kind of stuff. Here's what we're going to do. As soon as church is done... Um, we're going to let it just kind of bleed out. Some of you might need as a family to just pull away and go take a little family walk somewhere. Maybe you want to do this. At camp, a lot of times, we'll have a main speaker session. And then as a cabin, we'll go off in the woods and kind of just talk about what was just talked about so that it kind of seeps in. We don't just water the ground and quickly rush off to something else. Okay? Um, so so as, a, as, a, as a leader of your tribe, as a leader of, and, and a tender of your garden, Think of how to use the minutes and possibly hours following today's corporate time to kind of maximize what we're doing up here. Okay? Agreed? Let's do this. Um, we are going to just have a short season of prayer while the band com comes on up. If you pray, pray loud enough that we're not distracted going, eh, like that. But I want a few of us just to lift up our voices in prayer to God and just thanking Him for this morning. Pray what's on your heart. I'm going to close this in a couple of minutes, and then we'll sing some songs. So pray as you feel led, and then we'll sing and, uh, and dismiss shortly.
God, thanks for the gift of rest. I thank you, God, that you commanded us to rest. We wouldn't have seen the importance of it. We would have maybe dismissed it in our own life as not needed. But God, I pray that you would march us forward from here, not longing for another camping trip, God, but remembering to obey you in this way. I pray for my friends here, Lord, and for myself and for our families and for the legacies we're we're leaving. God, that we would leave a legacy that would that would say we rested, truly rested in you. We knew what it was to cease striving, to stop trying, and just know that you're God. Give us a fresh perspective, God, on all the circumstances that we worry about and think about and mull over and try to solve. God, forgive us for disobeying, for neglecting the gift that sons and daughters are offered to just stop and just be and marvel and wonder at your presence, at your creation. We sang earlier, I'll never know how much it costs to see our sins paid for on the cross, God. And that's what we want to stop and remember. We're a thankful people. We love you. We praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.